0: Hello and welcome to Forget the Numbers, the student accounting show, the occasionally educational podcast that proves you're not totally alone in your student journey, even when it feels like it. I'm Connor from the education team, and I'm taking over as host today, even though Alan is here beside me.
1: Wow, well, that's a uh, I knew he's eventually trying to push <laughs> me out of my job.
0: Yeah, slowly, slowly taking over. Um, so today, what we're going to look at, we're kind of getting into week three now. And although hopefully you've all started to study, we're going to focus on what exams you should do next, what subjects you should look to do if you're still considering what to do for the June sitting. So I suppose firstly, Alan, is there any particular order that you have to do your ACCA in for those not familiar?
1: No. So um, the ACCA give you a lot of flexibility. And I think the recent, well, not the not so recent now in the last year when they got rid of all the numbers and even though students are still calling them F6 and P4 and all those type of things, um, the reason they got rid of those numbers was to try and um, encourage students to do the exams within reason in whatever order that they like. Yeah. So they still have to do their applied skills exams and complete them before they move on to the strategic professional But within there, they can choose whatever order that they like.
0: Yeah. And do you think, you know, there's a way that you you should be trying to look at it that it goes in your favor? Like, is there recommendations you'd have, let's say, at applied scales of what order people should do, what subjects they should maybe look to do in a certain order?
1: Um, I think personally, there's a couple of things. Um, Some people struggle with numbers, um, with doing calculations and and things like that. and then applied skills does a lot of paper you've got to tax and performance management, financial management. So audit is your really is your only really escape when you're doing applied skills yeah. from the constant calculation type a question. Fun escape. A full escape. <laughs> a bit of audit. I wouldn't personally describe it as a full escape, but you as your audit background might. <laughs> um, so I think you kinda of have to use audit as maybe a little bit of a natural break um, in that. And I think when you're looking at something like audit. Um, and around financial management, performance management, um, and some people get confused if you do if you do performance management and then go straight into financial management. Some people might say it's the same thing, um, not very different at all, um, because it's just all calculations. And I guess if you haven't done the work, they might look it might look confusing. I like the way the the order naturally was by yeah. the numbers. Uh, I do think it, it helped you along the way. Um, But I think do whatever you feel more comfortable doing, but maybe have a little bit of a... I'd use Audit as a little bit of a buffer as a break. When you've done performance management and tax, you've probably had enough of calculations for a while.
0: Yeah, and there's there's obviously links between the subjects that applied skills and strategic professional. Do you think you should, if you're moving up to that next strategic professional level, look to maybe if you're sitting SBR, do have done F4 quite recently? Do you think that's an important part of it? Yeah,
1: and, and again, it's it's back to your skill set. If if F4 is a subject that you really struggle with, um, there's definitely an argument. Well, maybe you leave financial reporting until your last applied skills. Um, and it's, it's a really good base for doing SBR then. Yeah. So you have F4 done and then you're used to the consolidation parts and that will really help you when you move forward to SBR. But equally, if you struggle with financial management, are you better off doing yeah. AFM next? And and that's the thing I think a lot of people look at um are getting, getting a little bit too complex because if you think how early um, performance management is, Advanced performance management is always considered one of the later subjects. And if you look in the numbers basis, that's a a huge gap. So again, it's about doing a little bit of planning um, in advance. Um, But realistically, will it help slightly? Yes. Um, But I think most students, what happens really? You study for an exam, you go in the exam, even if you feel like you've done well. I think any of us who are students, if you ask me the next day to do the same exam paper, we'd have forgotten half of what we learned at the last (laughs) minute for that exam. So there's an element of, yes, it's it's useful, but it's not very... I I wouldn't make decisions based on that and try and over-strategize. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, continuing on strategy, a question we get a lot when trying to choose what options papers you do. Mm-hmm. Do you have tips for that? Because we, we get a lot of students coming on saying, I don't know what to do. Uh, should I do tax? I enjoyed the tax exam. Should I do advanced tax? Do you have tips for that?
1: Yeah, I think if I was setting a plan for strategic professional, uh, once I finished my applied skills, there's a couple of things that I would do. First of all, get the ethics yeah, in the, then, like before you even consider doing um, a strategic professional, get the ethics uh, course done. Um, because what happens with the ethics course, it talks a lot about professional skills, yeah. So it's giving you marks, and it's it'll, it'll, I'm, I am guaranteeing any student listening to this that doing the ethics exam, you will get some marks in every exam because you did that. And I've talked to students before who they do everything, they do, they get through the whole, all, every exam. And then they come back and say, oh, I did my ethics. If only I had known. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know now I'm telling you. So please listen. Um, so get the ethics done first. It's it's just an ideal thing. And it's a nice break.
0: Yeah, it breaks things
1: up. Yeah, it's not a natural, it's not a big exam thing. You do it online. Um, it's kind of with you and the computer. There's no real pressure. Um, it's kind of a nice subject. A lot of people will know the basics of yeah. it anyway. It's just giving a little bit of exeteria around it.
0: But it it feeds into everything and I think particular SBL and that's one we always look at. So just to make things really clear, when would you recommend doing the SBL exam?
1: At the end, that's it. Do the last one. Never. And if we we look a bit back and and I digress from your earlier question about like you look at the options first and like which of the options that you do. Um, You've had your audit background um, and you have people who work in tax. And people always say, what's the hardest one and what's the worst pass rate and the best pass rate and what gives me the best chance? I think when you're looking at the option exams, you have to look at two of them first and you look at audit and tax. If you don't work in audit or don't work in tax, and it's very unlikely you work in both, you shouldn't really be doing them. And advanced financial management and advanced performance management in the end become the fault subjects. Yeah, yeah. Like if I look at my career, if I was doing this set of exams in the way they're laid out now, as being an accountant, I would not do tax and I would not do audit because if I, if I went back to, if I brought my career to now, um, I wouldn't have been working in audit and I wouldn't have been working in tax. So, and we get, like you see them coming through too, we get lots of people say, oh, I really like tax and tax is really great. Um, the difference between applied skills tax and um, professional tax is huge. And especially, I guess, pride skill tax is remembering rates and it's doing how much money did I earn. And Lucy got given money from her parents or somebody got an inheritance or they work sometimes self-employed. And it's all very calculation based. Yeah. The, the The strategic professional is not calculation. It's application. And if you're not in those situations, if you're not having those conversations.
0: Yeah. And I think I'd see that from the audit side. You know, there's things you're just not going to be able to learn within notes and studying that you Mm. just, unless you've really seen it in practice or you've thought about it in that way, we see a lot with the audit. It's asking you to think of procedures or controls. And unless you've been in a real work environment, I'd say when you are thinking in that way, um, it's not just a regurgitation of theory. You're never going to find all that information in a video or in a book. Um, it's not so quoting think,
1: from a book, yeah, yeah, it's, and, and that's the th- and that's what students get confused on. That they can go in and they can learn. I'm sure many students go into the audit exam, being able to quote every audit standard. Yeah, standard. Yeah. You probably couldn't quote most of them, but they're not asking you to quote them. They're asking you to apply the the logic. Yeah, it's awkward. And you have seen. Oh, we think somebody's stealing money from the petty cash. What procedure do we put in to stop it? That's a that's a logical thing that you get from. A little bit of knowledge, but a lot of experience yeah. as well.
0: And that's kind of what they're looking for at that strategic professional level. It's professional application of that theory. So it's it's all trying to get, you know, in all those exams, we'd be saying anyway, you're trying to get in the role of that character. So when yeah. you're asked to be an audit uh, manager in a thing, unless you've really seen that role, it's quite hard to do.
1: Yeah. So if you're not doing that, if you're not working in tax and not working in audit, I would highly recommend um, you don't do them. Now, There's bound to be somebody out there saying, oh, well, I don't work in tax and I don't work in audit. And I did them and I was okay." And I would say congratulations to those few people. Um, But the pass rates would say for the bulk of people, the pass rates for both of those subjects would suggest otherwise, especially for audit that has been effectively plummeting over the last few sittings. So just don't do them. Don't make your life any more difficult.
0: And then just back on the, the SBO it, there's little kind of nuggets of information in all those other courses that kind of feed into it. Uh, and, yeah, the, it, you know, if you've done everything and been successful, you, you might nearly find parts of that SBL exam easy because it's, it's yeah. the, the standard of what you see in the other options is kind of reduced in it, but it's all just looking at the bigger picture, the collective of all the information you've had, even right through your kind of applied skills and everything and the professional module it all. It's nearly like a, that kind of closing thing to really just test if you're at that standard.
1: The, the scary thing about SBL is a couple of things. And, and one of the things is some of the um, books that students are accessing out there are effectively P1 and P3 added together. Whereas the, the content of the course for SBL isn't really that complicated. Um, it's about applying a bit of everything. It's about applying, sometimes it's performance management and sometimes it's a little bit of an analysis from SPR. But it really is about adding everything up. And like even simply, SBL is by far the longest exam. It's four hours. There's no other four-hour exam. So why would you choose to go and do a four-hour exam and not do any of the three-hour, 15-minute exams as a way of building up to it? It's like... It's I don't know training for a marathon, running five k tomorrow. I'm going to do the marathon on Sunday. It's okay. <laughs> I did my five k today. That like think if you just think about it logically, you build up to the hardest one and give yourself every opportunity to pass that. So like, why would you do a four hour exam? And I think there's other like if you if you do decide to do audit as well, definitely doing SPO before audit will help as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, there is definitely a link between that because of obviously the financial standards. Um, so I I would genuinely if I was doing if I had to pick my subjects tomorrow and I've finished my applied skills what would I personally do I would do I do SPR first then I do advanced financial management advanced for- performance management in no particular order um and then I would do SBL yeah and I think that's the the ideal way of doing it it's it's also about being in a rush um and People are trying to hurry and finish their exams, but they're forgetting about their three years experience. Yeah, yeah. Like it's great. I've got my exams done. Now I have to wait for two years or a year and a half before I get my experience. Um, ratchet it up. So why, why not just use those three years or two years or a good chunk of that? time?
0: And on that note, particularly if people are kind of considering what subjects to do now, would you ever recommend trying to do more than one in one sitting? No,
1: well. <laughs> Again, you're going to get people out there um, who will say, "Oh, I did more than one, and I passed them." And when I when I did my ACCA exams all the way back in that year, I won't mention um, it. Still began with a one something. Um, we had to do our finals together, so we yeah. had to do all three subjects, um, and there were one day. So I think it was a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you'd no choice but to do them together. And if you, I think if you failed two of them, you had to do all three again or something along those lines. Um, But the opportunity of just concentrating on one exam and building up your your knowledge—imagine for the next, like if you thought about the next four sittings, you could use SBO, then you can do your options, then you can finish with SBL, get your um, ethics and ethics done beforehand. It just seems like a nice, easy path. Why why create the pressure and the extra expense for the exam fees? Absolutely,
0: yeah. And I think oftentimes people think they're they're saving time, but there's no point trying to do two this sitting. And you don't get to put enough into both and then you fail both and you're in the same position next. It's, it's about putting everything you can focus on that one exam and making sure you get that in the sitting.
1: But it's a personal thing too. You just become like, how much do you, how much are you giving up to try and force everything in when it doesn't need to be forced? And some people can get very stressed in exams, especially when they put themselves under unnecessary pressure. And I've seen some people not kind of become more stressful people forever yeah. because they just get themselves into a rut of of that type of level of stress that they build up, and it's finding hard to to move back from it. Um, because if you're stressful studying and you've got any kind of family or social or life or friends, and you're busy in work, that it's hard to get rid of that. Then yeah, uh, yeah. later on, that stress just kind of h- hangs around, really.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think just the other the other thing that we have, um, so we'll obviously be doing a results podcast uh, when the results come out. But I think for people who are waiting for results, it's not about waiting to start your study for the other exams.
1: No, because you're just wasting time. Yeah. We've talked about this before. And like, you're not wasting your time because you're not studying an exam now that you don't have to do. If you're studying now, at some point in the future, you have to do the exam. And if it works out that your results don't go as well as expected when you get them uh, and you, have, you say, oh, no, I'm going to do that exam again, this is not wasted study time. It's not at all. There's no way it's wasted. It'll make, Believe it or not, it will make it easier the next time that you come and do it. Um, but what is wasted if you do get a good result? What if you do get that 50 plus in yeah. your exam results and then you realize, okay, so I get my, it's six weeks before my exam, that so I get my results. So then I spend a few days thinking about what doing next. Then I find a sign up for some classes or find a provider. And then all of a sudden I'm four and a half, five weeks before the exams and yeah. I haven't done anything.
0: And you can never make that time up. You, you, can, can, you can never fit in everything that you, you could be doing in these times in that those last few weeks. Cause it's no, going to be,
1: especially when you get to, you can possibly squeeze in applied skills there because it's a lot about memory and regurgitation and practicing questions yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff, but you can never let the knowledge sink in for a strategic professional that allows you to apply it correctly during an exam in in f- four or five weeks. Again, you'll have some people out there, but when you're getting pass rates on some of those exams at 29%, that should tell you everything you need to know. Um, and when you're saying, I can be different, it won't be the same for me. You have like a three in 10 chance in a lot of these exams yeah. of being different. So like they're not great odds. I, I, would, no. <laughs> I would try and give yourself every opportunity of length, making those odds better. Uh, and that we'll be studying earlier.
0: Great. So I think we'll finish up there. Um, As I said, we'll be doing a results podcast later on, but uh, ahead of that, we have some exciting interviews uh, coming up in the next podcast. So we hope you tune in for them. Um, But for now, I'll say thanks to Alan for letting me host. (laughs) (laughs) And we wish you all the best in your studies.
1: Bye-bye.